This is the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. We are a church passionate about encountering Jesus and sharing his love with our city. To find out more about who we are, visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk. Brilliant. Well, I'll let you maybe start to draw conversations to a close. I always feel bad cutting across a nice, chatty, friendly church. (laughs) But there'll be plenty more time at the end for us to to continue our conversations. So brilliant. Great. Well, hi. Um, for any of you that don't know me, there's lots of new faces here this morning, but my name's Hannah, um, so I'm the pastor of, of Sterling Vineyard. And over the last week while, we've been particularly looking at a series that we've been focusing on the Holy Spirit. So as a church family, we've been looking to learn more about the person, the nature, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so over the last few months, we've been really making space to just dive a little deeper into some passages and teaching, specifically all around the Holy Spirit. And for me, this has been a series that I've really enjoyed. I've enjoyed listening to others speak on it. I've enjoyed studying it and getting ready um, for the talks to give on a Sunday. You know, God's just really been stirring my heart. And what's been particularly exciting for me is that as I've been speaking to lots of you in the church, there's a real sense of hunger growing amongst us. I think there's a real sense of people hungry for more of the Spirit of God. And, And I feel really excited about what that means for us as a church family. But I know that there's more that God has for us. And so as we continue in our series uh, looking at the Holy Spirit, we're heading somewhere a little bit perhaps unexpected today, and that is to the Old Testament um, as we look on our passage today all around the Holy Spirit. And so today's talk is based around a verse that you're probably not not ready for that yet. (laughs) Um, If you go back to the, yeah, um, is based around a verse that I'm sure lots of us are familiar with. And that verse is this, it's not by might, not by strength, strength, but by my Spirit, says the Lord, absolutely. You know, we live in a world that can often feel where it is all about human might or it is all about human power. You know, these are the people that seem to get ahead in life. But in the upside down kingdom of God, his word to his people is it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit. And so I wanted us to just press in and unpack this idea a little bit today as we continue our series looking at the Holy Spirit. And so maybe lots of us are familiar with this verse, but perhaps not the passage and the context in which this was spoken into. So that's what we're specifically going to be looking at today. So as I said, we're heading to the Old Testament and to the book of Zechariah. Does anyone have an old-fashioned Bible here today? (laughs) So Zechariah, so it's the end of the Old Testament. Lots of us will find it easily because we just get to swipe to it on our phone, but it might be quite difficult to find if we're looking in the old-fashioned Bible. But no, so Zechariah, towards the end of the book of the Old Testament, and we're in chapter 4 looking at verses 1 to 7. It will come up on the screen but just before we read it and to give you a chance to find it we're going to just set the scene a little bit. So, So what is the context of this passage? What is this passage speaking into? So God's people have returned from exile in Babylon. King Cyrus has given the Jewish people permission to rebuild the temple as they return to Jerusalem. Zechariah is a prophet living in about this time. Um, And as we know, to the Jewish people, the temple had great significance. The temple to the Jewish people was believed to be the house of God, the very presence of God with them, and so of huge importance. But as soon as the work begins, the people are met with opposition from their enemies. 
I'm sure lots of us can relate. You know, how often do we feel like we're beginning a work from God and that it's not very long before we may feel like we've become under attack, that we encounter opposition to that work? You know, enemies can often gather around it. It feels like frustrate the work of God in our lives. But sometimes when we're under attack, when we're in the will of God, that, that attack can actually be a sign in itself that we're exactly where God wants us to be. You know, we can easily feel discouraged at times when things don't work out the way that we think they should. Maybe we've moved in response to a prophetic word. Maybe we had an idea of what things should look like, but it's not quite worked out the way that we have. And so the temptation is to be discouraged, for discouragement to, to creep in. And the enemy loves it when that happens, because when we feel discouraged, it slows down the will and the work of God in our lives. So often, wherever God is at work through his people, um, we'll likely encounter opposition. And so this is true of the Jewish people in this moment, at this time, as they're looking to rebuild the temple of God. So there's a job to be done. The people are under attack. They're feeling discouraged, and they're actually on the very verge of quitting the task that God has given them. And so it's into this context of discouragement that the angel comes to speak to the prophet Zechariah. So let's read together. Zechariah 4, from verses 1 to 7. <clears throat> then the angel who talked with me returned and woke me up, like someone awakened from sleep. He asked me, what do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it, with seven channels to the lamps. And there are two olive trees by it, one to, on the right of the bowl and the other on the left. I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? And he answered, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I replied. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain, before Zerubbabel, that you will level the ground? Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it, God bless it. And that's our passage for today. Amen. Maybe at first glance, this seems like a little bit of a random passage, perhaps quite confusing as we try to piece together in our minds the kind of imagery of what's been seen here, of what the angel's describing. But hopefully as we dig a little bit deeper together today, it'll begin to make sense to us. So we see how Zechariah has been awakened from sleep. The angel has awakened him, and we get this sense of urgency. You know, the, the angel's not waken, waiting until he's awake, but waking him in the middle of the night. There's a message that needs to be seen and needs to be heard, and there's an urgency about it. The people of God are discouraged. And so the angel shows Zechariah this vision and asks him to describe what he sees. And, and, and it can be, I think it's quite complicated, um, this description, but so I've included on the next slide a wee picture um, that I found online. So um, just someone's interpretation of this picture to maybe help us see it a little bit more clearly. And so we see this lamp um, and the olive trees where the oil is flowing from the trees down these channels into the lamp of God and the, oh, into this lamp, sorry, and the light that continues to burn. You know, one of the most tedious jobs for the Old Testament priests would have been having to constantly fill all the lamps in the temple with oil to keep them burning. You know, constantly having to care for them and to look after them and to, to keep them clean. And the angel shows Zechariah this prophetic picture of this unending supply of oil allowing this light to never go out. 
When um, the angel asks Zechariah what these are and he answers, I don't know, he replies by saying this picture. So he's saying, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You know, we're going to say that verse quite a few times today. You can join in if you want. It's our memory verse for the day. We're all going to leave saying that verse over and over. But first of all, who is Zerubbabel? Who are they talking about in, this, in these verses? So at the time, he was the civic leader in Jerusalem. He was responsible for overseeing the building of the temple. And it's him that's facing the great opposition to the work of God. It's him that's feeling discouraged. And it's him that's feeling this temptation to give up. And the Lord is breaking in with this urgent encouragement, this picture that represents the truth that God's work will be accomplished, not in human might, not in human power, but by my spirit. And that's his message to Zerubbabel, the ruler at the time. And this verse has the potential to be such a life-changing truth for the people of God, for all of us who have ears to hear it. And I think as we read this passage, we can draw parallels to the people of God in the Old Testament looking to rebuild the temple with the people of God today looking to partner to rebuild the kingdom of God or to build the kingdom of God. You know, there's a building work to be done. And wherever that work occurs, often, as we've said already, the enemy wants to come in and bring discouragement. And for whatever reason, God has allowed Zerubbabel to get to the brink of discouragement before he's come and speak, spoken this message. You know, he's tried in his own strength, but he's grown weary. And I think lots of us can relate. And I think what we see in this passage here is that the answer to discouragement and that the answer to opposition and the answer to our unmet expectations, the answer to fatigue, to worry, to insurmountable odds can be found in the Holy Spirit. You know, the truth is that we are in a battle a battle to do the will of God, a battle to build his kingdom here on earth, and a battle to see souls saved, to literally see people move from eternal darkness and into an eternal future with God. You know, this is a spiritual battle that we are all a part of. And this is the kind of work that is not to be done in our own strength and in our own power, but by the Spirit of God. And so there's three truths that I wanted to draw out of this passage that I believe it teaches us about the Holy Spirit. And the first is this, that the Holy Spirit is inexhaustible and we need to receive him. So the Holy Spirit is inexhaustible. He will never run out. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. We celebrate Pentecost Sunday. We're having a family service next week um, celebrating Pentecost Sunday. Uh, and, and we'll be looking at how it's been over 2,000 years since the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. 2,000 years where the Holy Spirit has never ran out, where he's continued to work, where he's continued to fill his church. And the angel shows us this vision of the Holy Spirit, this, this pouring out, this continuous and endless supply, as much as was needed, and that the lamps, the light, would burn forever. <coughs> and when we give our lives to Jesus, and when the Spirit of God comes to live in us, we get to belong to a God who is inexhaustible, and I love that. He is inexhaustible in strength. He's inexhaustible in grace and power and love. And we get to be connected to that. When we attach our lives to the well that will never run dry, we get access to that inexhaustible source. You know, in comparison, our own strength is so weak. In our own might, our own might is so temporal. You know, we get tired. We get exhausted. 
And when we look to do the spiritual work of the kingdom of God in our own strength, our strength will fail us. You know, when we look to do, uh, overcome opposition in the kingdom of God in our own might, we will struggle. We grow faint. We grow weary. You know, I wrote this down as a word to myself that I need to remember at times, stop trying and start relying. You know, so much often we want to do it in our own strength, but God is looking for us to rely on him. You know what, I think there's something about humanity that God made us like that intentionally. Because I think it's God's design for humanity that we would seek him, that we would lean into him, that we would build friendship with him, that we would partner with him, that we connect ourselves with him, to create with him, and ultimately to overcome with and in him. You know, his power will never run dry. You know, we don't need to wait for delivery because the Holy Spirit power is out of stock. You know, it's never out of stock. But sometimes we can feel a blockage, can't we? And I would just gently challenge us to think that the blockage is never to receive in the Holy Spirit is never on his side, but is often on our side. You know, are we attached to the vine? Are we positioned to receive the flow of the Holy Spirit working in our lives? Secondly, the Holy Spirit is all-powerful, perceive. (laughs) When God chooses people, he's not looking for the strongest person or the cleverest person or the wisest person, but he's looking for people who have hearts that are humble and hearts that are willing to be surrendered to him because the truth is that he holds all the power. There's no power like Holy Spirit power. The Holy Spirit literally transforms lives as we see him. And we see these stories in the Bible over and over again. Ordinary men, ordinary women, that as the Holy Spirit came and rested on them, their lives were changed. You know, one example is Peter, a really good example of this. You know, originally when Jesus was crucified, he was filled with so much fear that he couldn't even admit to a servant girl that he knew Jesus, that he was a follower of Jesus. But then only a short time later, we see Peter preaching the gospel boldly to 3,000 people or 3,000 people being converted. And not long after that, in the book of Acts, we see Peter being beaten for the gospel and it reports how he went on his way filled with joy and rejoicing. You know, what a huge contrast in a very human man. And what was it that made the difference? It was the Holy Spirit. It was Pentecost, the Spirit being poured out in power on the church, and in particular, in Peter. The Holy Spirit is the difference. The Holy Spirit makes the difference, not by might, not by strength, but by my Spirit. And given the task that we have as a church to make disciples of all nations, to make disciples here in our own city, you know, it can be easy to be discouraged. It can be easy to feel like it's a job that's getting harder. It can be easy to look and say that the church has less favor in our communities, that people are suspicious of our motives or are even in opposition to the church. It can be easy to slow down and feel discouraged and begin to wonder, do we even have a chance in our lifetime of seeing more of the kingdom of God? You know, sometimes it feels like everything is heading in the wrong direction. And it's easy to feel like in our own strength and in our own might, we can't do it. And we would be right. (laughs) But God, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, through attaching ourselves to him, through welcoming him, through inviting him, through allowing him to flow in us and work through us, 
not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And God is looking for men and women who want to be used for his purposes and are willing to surrender ourselves to him, not for our glory, but for his. And life is difficult. The storms certainly are raging all around. But when we look at Jesus and his attitude in the midst of the storms, you know, for the disciples, they were filled with fear, but Jesus is unfazed. Jesus never loses his peace in the middle of the storm. Jesus knows the authority in which he carries and instead speaks to the storm and speaks peace. You know, in the storms of life, don't give up. We need to pray. In the storms of life, don't get mad at the storm. Let's just pray. In the storms of life, don't let fear creep in. Let's pray. And for some reason, there are times when God seems to allow the storms to rage all around us before he comes and releases his word into the situation. But he wants to encourage us, keep the faith, stay strong, stay focused. You know, for Zerubbabel, Babel, he was likely at his wit's end. Such was the urgency of the angel's visit. But the truth was that God had him covered. God had called him and he had him covered. We need to keep our eyes fixed on him and the call of God over our lives, knowing that we are in the call of God and in the right place. You know, if we're living in obedience to the will of God, if we're seeking his will and his word, uh, uh, then if you are where God's asked you to be and there's a storm around you, then you will have power and authority over that storm. As we pray, as we ask, as we seek, then he wants to come and release his power in the midst of that. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit is unstoppable. So we've said inexhaustible, receive, all-powerful, perceive, unstoppable. Can anyone guess what the third Eve is going to be? Believe, did someone say? (laughs) That's the right answer. (laughs) Believe. So we're going to look just particularly at verse 7 here. So um, this is probably not as familiar to us as verse 6. Verse 7 says, What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zeria Babel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of, God bless it, God bless it. So to the people at the time, the unfinished temple seemed like a great mountain. But by the Spirit of God, what the angel is declaring, that when obstacles present themselves to God to frustrate the will of God, when the Spirit comes in power, he will flatten them. You know, look throughout the story of the Bible. When God's people came to the blockage of the Red Sea, it was as nothing to God. You know, the walls of Jericho that stood in the way to the promised land became like nothing to God. You know, Goliath, as he faced off David, was nothing to God. And the story of the Bible is that every obstacle that opposes the will of God is as nothing when the Spirit is welcomed, invited, and partnered with. Then those obstacles are overcome, not in our own might, not in our own strength, but by the Spirit of God. I want to ask us, what is our mountain today? What seems to be standing in the way of what God has said or spoken over your life? I want to read briefly from Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. And it says, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, where he replies, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So Jesus is teaching on mountains. Mountains that appear to be insurmountable object, obstacles. 
But what he's saying, what he's teaching his disciples, if you have faith, even just a little, even just the size of a mustard seed, and if you believe that the Holy Spirit has power to move, you know, faith that dares to pray, faith that dares to be expectant, faith that dares to take authority, even just a little, then mountains will move. See, faith causes us to act. Faith causes us to pray. Faith causes us to welcome the Spirit of God. Faith is an active thing. Having faith isn't a passive thing. Oh, I just believe that God will, will, will sort this. No, faith causes us to do something about it. Causes us to pray. Causes us to act. And mountains can be moved. So what's your mountain today? Verse 7 ends with, as the mountain was flattened, the glory was given to God. It's never for our glory. It's always for his And so again, I just want to ask us, what's our mountain today? You know, maybe it's finances. Maybe it's in relationships. Maybe it's health. Maybe there's situations in our lives where we've tried everything that we can think to try in our own strength. You know, are we willing to align our faith towards the mountains in our lives? God has a building work to be done on the earth, in and through us, his church. And maybe God wants to send his angel again to awaken his church to this truth. That it is, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit. You know, I passionately want us to be a church that is fueled by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. That we would be a church that is completely dependent on him and seeking him. That everything we do would be fueled by the power of the spirit that lives in us, that wants to work through us that we would look to partner with the purposes of God to see his kingdom come. And, you know, I believe that something is stirring. Something is stirring. Can we just say together, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and we're going to pray together and just wait on the Lord. Thanks for listening to the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, please visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk or find us on social media at Sterling Vineyard Church. 